This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. Here we are. We're finally in our new studio. Well, it's not actually, we're not in a studio yet. We are uh, in our new home in Hayesville, North Carolina, our first live show from here. Glad you could join us. Uh, welcome to those of you on Facebook. I'm sitting in my, uh, my den downstairs. Uh, we don't have the office set up yet, but we are getting there. And uh, I am looking forward to being back with you five days a week. Um, from here in North Carolina. Uh, I hope I remember how to do this. It's been a little while. Uh, things have been a little bit crazy. Uh, I have made seven drives back and forth between Connecticut and North Carolina over the last few months as uh, we finalized uh, getting a house down here, selling the house up north. Uh, but we are here, and I am glad that you are here as well. Um, so the biggest challenge that we have here, and uh, I would really appreciate some feedback from those of you uh, that are listening to it live. I know those of you that are going to get the podcast later on, it won't affect you as much or at all, actually. Uh, but I would appreciate uh, some feedback from those of you that are listening live about the quality of the sound um, and uh, uh, whether there's uh, any kind of delay or anything like that. We are on, uh, uh, to say this is a, a, a budget, uh, well, not budget, it's uh, slow internet would be, uh, kind. We have had to go with HughesNet. Uh, the only internet that I can get out here in the country uh, is satellite. There is no fiber where I live. Uh, there's fiber about a mile or two away, but uh, where I live is kind of out in the boonies, and they said there's not enough people to bring it to make it cost effective to bring it up here. Uh, so I am on HughesNet, and uh, it is very slow. So I would appreciate any feedback anybody's got. I would love to hear from you. Uh, please tell me how it is. Uh, those of you watching on Facebook, same thing. I, I have a fear that Facebook may not uh, last. I hope it does, but my concern is that if the if the quality of the video is cutting in and out and uh, if the sound quality is not good, I don't know whether we'll be able to keep it going or not. I hope that we can, uh, but again, uh, I would appreciate any feedback you've got as to, as to quality. And we're going to continue to work on this as we go along and see if there's other ways that we can uh, to make it work video-wise. But anyway, here we are. Um, so let's get to, uh, to sports. How about that? Uh, I haven't been able to talk about a lot of sports. Matter of fact, I haven't been able to watch a lot of football with the move and the driving back and forth, but I did sit down this weekend. I watched a lot of football. I watched the Monday night game last night. What a great way for Ben Roethlisberger to close out his home career in Pittsburgh. Um they get a win over the Cleveland Browns last night. Ben wasn't great, and he threw the ball 46 times. He was 23 of 46. I think he only threw for like 123 yards. He did have one touchdown. Uh, Steelers were able to move the ball, but they weren't able to finish. They ended up with uh, four field goals in the game last night. Chris Boswell really was the savior of that game. But the story of this game, as great as Ben Roethlisberger's uh, final game was in terms of getting a victory, uh, it was the defense. The defense sacked 
Baker Mayfield last night nine times. <laughs> nine times, ladies and gentlemen. That is absolutely brutal. Uh, I guess Baker probably should be happy that um, he didn't get killed. Uh, but T.J. Watt, four sacks on his own. So a, a great performance by that Steeler defense last night. We had Dan Zampano on the show last week, and he thought that this would be a Steeler victory. It wasn't just because of Big Ben, but, you know, uh, this was, a, you know, a game that the Steelers had to have if they were going to keep their playoff hopes alive. Mike Tomlin is a master at getting his players up for these big games, and they came through last night and credit the defense. And, look, Ben Roethlisberger has had a hell of a career, right? I mean, 39 years old. A lot of people thought that he probably should have hung it up last year. You know, kind of hard to say whether that's true or not. You know, I always I always joke about this. I'm not joke, but, you know, in, in baseball, they're always saying, well, this guy should have retired. This guy should have done this. This guy should have done that. And, look, uh, nobody is telling you um, when you should retire from your job working as a doctor or a lawyer or anything. Why do we feel we have the right to tell professional athletes when it's time to quit their job. Uh, their performance will let their teams know when it's time to quit their job. And obviously the Steelers felt that uh, that his performance was such that he warranted coming back into the And listen, look, when you look at some of the quarterback play around the NFL this year, Ben Roethlisberger is not even close to being one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Yes, he's he's a lot less mobile than he used to be. You know, you could say all those things. But when you look at some of the 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 play that we have seen, uh, you know, ask ask the Carolina Panthers if they would have liked to have Ben Roethlisberger. You know, when they had to deal with Sam Darnold and Cam Newton, ask them if they would have liked Big Ben. Ask the New York Jets if they would have taken Ben Roethlisberger for this year, given their young quarterback a chance to learn under a guy like that. Ask the Jets if they would have taken him. I guarantee they would have. Now, ask the Houston Texans. Now, the Houston Texans are getting better quarterback play in the last few weeks. Maybe they found something there. But with, you know, Deshaun Watson out, you know, that was a train wreck. They would have taken Ben Roethlisberger in a heartbeat. There were people in Denver that wanted, you know, uh, didn't want Teddy Bridgewater there. And Teddy Bridgewater did a nice job with Denver this year. You know, he got hurt, and it, it hurt them down the stretch. But uh, they could have used Ben Roethlisberger. The Miami Dolphins could have used Ben Roethlisberger. There's a lot of teams. The, ask the New Orleans Saints after Drew Brees retired. And Jameis Winston was okay, but they would have rather had Big Ben too. So how we're saying to this guy, well, he should have retired last year is just silly. But good for him. And how about the domination that he has had with the Cleveland Browns in his career? 26-3-1. I mean, that's just obscene. Now, you know, unfortunately, of those three losses, one of them was in the playoffs last year. If you remember, he threw, what, four interceptions in that game? He was terrible. But, he, you know, and whether this is revenge or not, I don't, you know, I, I don't think it's revenge. I think this was just a, uh, uh, a chance for Ben to go out at home on a high note. Look, they're not going to make the playoffs. They are over 500. They're 8-7-1, and one. you know, uh, They've got a tough game coming up this week against Baltimore, the game Baltimore has to have. You know, and whether they can win that or not, I don't know. But even if they can, the chance of them 
making the playoffs are slim and none and slim left town, and that's because in order for them to make it, even if they win, even if they win, they need Indianapolis to lose to Jacksonville to get into the playoffs. That's right. Uh, they need to win Jacksonville to beat a pretty good Indianapolis Colts team. Uh, Indianapolis took a step back last week, but they are still a much better team than Jacksonville. As a matter of fact, uh, as I look at the odds for this week, uh, Indy is a 16-point favorite at Jacksonville. <laughs> Indy, you know, Indy's got a lot to play for. They are not going to stumble in Jacksonville against the Jacksonville Jaguars, I can tell you that right now. So, you know, Big Ben's not going to close out his career uh, with a playoff appearance, but that's okay. You know, and he can look, you know, and say, look, we got a winning record in my last season there. And, you know, I think, what is he, like third uh, among active players in touchdown passes? They showed it last night. He had another one last night. Um, and, and it was an emotional day for him. Uh, how he went through that, I, I don't know. I mean, I just I was thinking about it. they showed this clip when he was walking in. Uh, in street clothes, coming in to get dressed for the game and stuff. And they think a cameraman following him. Just he's walking down the hallway, and just people there with cameras and just following him along. It's just it's weird. It's weird. And as somebody who worked in the media for a long time, I still think it's weird. Um, uh, so anyway, but a, a good performance for him. I'm glad for Ben that uh, that he got the win on his last day there. Uh, so uh, that is uh, uh, a good way for him to finish that out. Now. Um, the Antonio Brown mess. <laughs> I, I guess you, uh, a soap opera, I guess, is what you call it. I, I have, it is probably the most bizarre thing I have ever seen. I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I guess there's been a, probably a couple of other instances in other sports of guys like walking off and just kind of going, eh, you know, but this was weird taking off the pads and throwing. And waving everybody and skipping out. And so Antonio Brown yesterday tried to spin it that he didn't want to go back in the game because he had an ankle injury. It wasn't anything other than, you know, he was hurt. Well, Bruce Arians in a press conference yesterday said, no, he wasn't hurt. No, there's baloney. Um, he said, uh, uh, he said, we had a conversation and he left the field. And let me tell you something, if Antonio Brown was trying to spin that he had an ankle injury, right, and that's why he couldn't go back and play, please explain to me the uh, the prancing and the skipping and the hopping and the jumping as he's running off the field, waving to people, hey, see ya, peace out, everybody. Yeah, that ankle didn't look too hurt as he was running off the field. So, you know, come on. Uh, and look, it's pretty obvious to me that Antonio Brown has some mental health issues. They're I mean, obvious to me, like I'm a doctor. It's obvious to everybody. This is a guy, you know, who never even played a game for the Oakland Athletics, or Oakland, or the Oakland Raiders. He had an opportunity to play for the Patriots. He lasted one game. You know, this is a guy who's been accused of sexual assault, uh, you know, just a checkered history. He was accused of uh, beating up a, a truck driver outside of his home in, in Florida, you know, so this guy obviously has some issues, and he needs some help. And I hope he gets the help. And I think that his NFL career, if it's not over, it should be over. I will be surprised 
at this point, and although I shouldn't be, I guess, but I would be surprised if anybody wants to touch this guy with a 10-foot pole. He's Look, he's 33 years old. Is he still an impact player? Yes. Was he an impact player for the Bucks this year? Actually, he was. You know, that's the thing. You know, that's the other thing. This, this was another idiot with the, uh, the fake COVID uh, vaccination card. So he gets a three-game suspension, comes back, has 10 catches for over 100 yards uh, and a touchdown. Uh, for the season, I think he had, what, four or five touchdown receptions, He 40 or 50 catches, five, 600 yards. Look, he was – he's still an effective NFL receiver. But, you know, how can another NFL team want to take a chance on this guy at this point? Seriously, I mean, I, I don't see it. I, it's got to be – if you are any team, you've got to say, no, we don't, we don't want any part of this. Even look, the Oakland Raiders, who have a history of uh, of signing clowns, couldn't handle this guy. He didn't even last. He didn't play a game for them. So where is he going to go? Is anybody that desperate to want to take on it, not just the difficult personality that is Antonio Brown, but the potential bombshells? God knows what he's going to do next. You know, and and this whole thing after it's all over, that you know, uh, the video of him in a cab, you know, and then uh, putting this thing out on, uh, I don't know, some other social media app. I can't remember what it's called. Spotlight or I don't know what the hell it was. But anyway, uh, you know, and doing this rap and then he shows up at a, at a Nets game. And, you know, it, it just was bizarre behavior. Look, this is a guy who is a father and a husband. What what must his wife be thinking? You know, I just I, I don't. He's, this guy's got a family, and he's he is uh, gone mentally. You know, Tom Brady put it best. Look, you know, he said, "Look, I love the guy, but I hope he gets some help. You know, and I hope everybody's able to get him the help that he really needs." But I think that we have seen. Uh, the last of him. Look, he, what did he last with Tampa? 13, 13 months. He signed with them last year. Had a decent season for him last year. Uh, had, like, in the last eight games of the season, had uh, 500 yards receiving, four touchdowns. Uh, had a touchdown re- uh, uh, reception in the Super Bowl win over Kansas City. This is a guy that was a big part of that Bucks team. And Bruce Arians, if you remember... He was hesitant about signing this guy to begin with. You know, he wasn't sure it was a good idea. But it was Tom Brady that talked him into it. And I think what I think Bruce Arians had just had enough. And I have a feeling, you know, we don't know, but I would suspect that over the last 13 months, Arians didn't really want the guy to begin with. And, you know, maybe he and, you know, Antonio had some back and forth over the time and maybe it just came to a head. Uh, Sunday for whatever reason, and Antonio said, nah, man, I'm out of here. You know, we're never going to know. You know, Antonio Brown is going to give us the truth through the Antonio Brown filter, and Bruce Arians is going to give us, you know, what he believes is the truth. So we're never going to know. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't want, and I don't want to say good rinse, I, because this is a guy that's got, obviously has some problems. So, you know, he's just another difficult personality. We've, he's not the first, nor will he be the last in the NFL that has had uh, some 
some problems and you know and I don't want to contribute it to too many hits to the head playing football you know some people just need some mental health uh assistance and you know and, and Antonio I don't think has ever had the people around him that have gotten it you know to them and, and gotten it to him and you know he tried to say all the right things when he signed with Tampa that he learned a lot about himself and yada 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 but at the end of the day people with mental health issues if it's an ongoing process look I've had family members that have had the same thing and you know it does. It's not like you go to therapy for two weeks and everything's all better. You know, it's kind of like it, you can probably equate it to like being uh, somebody who is uh, uh, has issues with alcohol or has issues with, uh, you know, uh, substance enhancing drugs or uh, uh, or performance enhancing drugs or uh, illegal substances like cocaine, et cetera, et cetera. Look, you don't go to rehab for two weeks and suddenly have everything be all better. People will tell you that, you know, that are alcoholics that don't drink anymore, that it's a daily struggle. I think it's the same thing with people with mental health. You have to continue to do the work. You can't go to therapy for a short time and say, I'm cured. You know, uh, you have to continue to do the work, you know. Uh, look, you know, I went to therapy for a while and there are still times today, you know, when I, I struggle with things, you know, we, we all have things that we struggle with at times, uh, you know, uh, be it, uh, you know, things that have happened in your life or the, you know, the way you grew up or whatever, we all, you know, sometimes need somebody to talk to. And sometimes those, it needs to be more than just, uh, uh, you know, a couple of weeks and okay, I'm all right now. So. Anyway, that is where we are as far as the NFL goes. And uh, uh, some uh, interesting scenarios coming up this week. There's going to be some great games. We're going to have Dan Zampano on, of course, later in the week. We'll have him on on Friday. He says we'll be here live. Uh, The Patriots, of course, with a huge game this weekend. They have to play at Miami. Um, And uh, hope that they get some help. They got to hope that the New York Jets... (laughs) This is, you know, the Patriots having a chance to win the division... Uh, and needing help from the New York Jets is pretty funny. And I think the Jets have as much chance of beating Buffalo at Buffalo uh, as Jacksonville does having beating uh, beating Indianapolis at home. None. You know, and uh, people will want to point to the Jets' performance last week. You know, all the people that are, are Patriot fans are going to point to uh, uh, the Jets' game last week against Tampa and the fact that they had a big lead and they let it get away and – you know, Tom Brady beat him, and, you know, Tom Brady did what Brady does. But, um, look, this game is at Buffalo. I it just, you know, Buffalo wants that division. There's no doubt about it, and I don't see any chance of the Jets winning that. Now, if the Jets do and the Patriots win, then the Patriots will win the division. You know, they got a, a chance to get some home games, but uh, I think it is more likely the Patriots end up a three or four seed um, after this weekend is over, of course, it's going to depend on what everybody else does. Um, but uh, there are some other entertaining games this week, and uh, there's a, a uh, uh, that Philadelphia-Dallas game should be a good one. The game is at Philly-Dallas, bit of a train wreck right now, so that'll be interesting to see uh, how the Cowboys can recover. And uh, Philly on a bit of a roll right now. Jalen Hurts playing better. Um, and a lot of people believing in the Eagles right now, including our buddy Dan Zampano. And then the uh, Sunday night game should be fun. Uh, the Chargers 
at Las Vegas, and that will be probably the winner of that will go to the playoffs and the loser will not, you know, uh, when it, the way things are looking anyway, uh, that would be the case. The Chargers are a three-point favorite in that game at Las Vegas. But, again, um, and the Chargers played well last week, but they stunk the week before. Vegas with an emotional win, you know, this Sunday. Uh, that's going to be a great game. Uh, so there are some uh, good games coming up on the weekend. Um, got a break we're going to take in a minute. But before we get to that, um, this is kind of funny. I, those of you that follow college basketball, especially women's college basketball, you know that Gino Ariema is uh, uh, one of the more outspoken uh, coaches in college basketball, and, and it's great. You know, I, I love listening to the guy, uh, and he responded uh, to some recent criticism from uh, Muffet McGraw. Muffet McGraw is the former coach of Notre Dame who uh, retired, and uh, – she was on a podcast last week um, and was claiming that ESPN's got this UConn bias in women's basketball and talked about how she can't stand Gino Ariema. You know, the fact that they have no relationship. You know, they've played tons of great games together, but uh, they have no relationship. They don't, they don't like each other, right? Uh, and then went on to kind of take some shots at the UConn program this year and said, well, you know, uh, that uh, that Gino is uh, is bored, you know, and and that uh, uh, he's just not and well, basically saying he's not a nice guy, and UConn's a big bully. And Gino kind of fired back yesterday and said, "Look, <laughs> this is great." And he said, "I guess Muffet's bored." He said, "I guess she doesn't have a whole lot to talk about." He said. And usually when she was coaching, when she did talk, nobody listened to her anyway. <laughs> so so he said, so I guess she's got her platform now. I mean, uh, so good for him, you know, because there's no reason for her to say it. I mean, look, it, it, she was a great coach, okay, uh, and they don't have a relationship, which is fine, you know. Uh, Gino rubs people the wrong way, but really what rubs people the wrong way is the fact that UConn wins every time. You know, and it, and people resent that. Uh, there was no reason for her to, to do that. Now, did Gino need to turn around and get personal with her? Eh, I don't know, but you know, it's fun. Um, you know, the other thing you went on is Muffet McGraw said something about it. She did acknowledge, you know, that, that how dominant they've been, and she said that uh, uh, that they have, uh, uh, they've won more than anybody except Tennessee. And then Gino comes back and goes, eh, you know, she must have missed Sesame Street growing up. He said 11 is more than 8, referring to the fact that UConn's won 11 national championships and Tennessee has won 8. And, you know, so it's just kind of uh, it's kind of sophomoric at, in a way. It's kind of childish, but it's also kind of fun. And if you've ever watched Gino Ariema in an interview, when you look at him, he kind of gets that wry smile on his face. And, you know, look, here's one thing I know. Don't mess with a guy from the streets of Philadelphia because they'll just they'll eviscerate you. It's kind of like going after some guys, you know, some Italian guys from Brooklyn. You know, it's the same kind of thing. Gino's an Italian guy from the streets of Philadelphia, and uh, he, he will he will carve you up uh, uh, vocally. There's no question about it. So it's just good for him, good for him. You know, and look, I think that for Muffet McGraw, right now it's kind of low-hanging fruit to kind of go after the UConn program. They've got the best player in the country, Paige Beckers, is hurt. Uh, 
uh, as he fud they're they're uh, the great freshman that a lot of people think is going to be the best freshman player is out uh, they have four of their top players that are not playing right now because of injuries Paige Beckers is out until probably the end of February so they're struggling they're not number one I think what, what are they number uh, 11 in the country well you know they had all those injuries, and then they had to go play South Carolina, and they had to go down and play uh, Georgia. And I mean, they had to play some tough games without their best players, and they lost. So right now, you know, nobody's feeling sorry for UConn, and no, nor should they. But at the same time, what's the point of going after them and saying, eh, you know, God, they really suck? Because come on. If they had all those players in place, UConn probably would be undefeated or they'd have maybe one loss. You know, maybe they still lose the game to South Carolina. I don't know. But they'd still be one of the best teams in the country if they had everybody uh, healthy. So, you know, Muffet McGraw needs to pipe down. I mean, look, there's no reason to make things personal. You're, you're retired and you want to have a podcast. Great. Go ahead. Hey, look, I got one. I got a radio show. You know, I got a whole radio station. But – you know, it, it, you don't make it personal. You know, I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, do I, I guess you could say some of the things I say about people makes it per- It doesn't, I, I'm not making it personal. I don't know these people. Muffet McGraw and Gino Ariama know each other. So this is like just going after somebody just because you don't like them. You know, there's a lot of people in the sports world I know, and there's some people in the sports world that I know pretty well that I don't like. But you won't ever hear me going after them on this show because you just know, there's no reason to. And at the end of the day, I'm not going to go after him because who the hell am I? You know, and I guess she figures that she's got the, um, you know, uh, whatever, the reputation so that she can get away with it. But it was uncalled for, and Gina fired, fired back, and good for him. You know, at the end of the day, it's childish, but I love it, and it makes for great press. It's 32 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. I actually managed to talk for, what, 25 minutes about sports or stuff, and uh, I didn't stumble. So far, so good. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 34 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Here on a Tuesday morning, the fourth day of January 2022. And again, welcome to those of you listening live. Welcome to those of you watching live on Facebook as we try to work our way through this slow Internet, as I, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the broadcast. Uh, stuck with HughesNet, uh, satellite Internet. Uh, <laughs> for those of you that know anything, I mean, look, if you have fiber at home, you're probably working four or 500 MPS. Maybe, up to, if you, maybe you have gig service. It's you know, lightning fast. You're used to pushing a button, everything appears. Uh, HughesNet is at 25 MPS for download, and upload is uh, about – two mps if i'm lucky so that's why i'm a little bit concerned about the video quality uh any audio quality i appreciate uh, any comments you can leave me uh do, leave a message on facebook you can find us on twitter at sports country ir you can email me at gene at sportscountry.net let me know how it sounds how it looks uh we're going to try to work our way through it right now we're working off of one computer uh but as we get the uh, studio in the office set up uh we'll go back to using two or three computers to get the show done and hopefully um, the quality will improve, and hopefully at some point in the future, maybe this whole uh, build back better thing that uh, uh, that they're trying to do uh, with the uh, Biden administration, uh, part of uh, the infrastructure bill that passed included uh, getting Internet to underserved areas. Well, I now live in an underserved area here in Haysville, North Carolina, small town of less than a 1,000 people, 
and um, I'm on a dead end road, a, a dirt road. I got it's. I look. I got beautiful views, you know, and it's. Uh, I look out my window and see mountains, and it's. It's a great thing, but. To say I'm off the beaten path, uh, you know, would probably be pretty accurate. So, uh, uh, anyway, let me know how it sounds, how it looks, and uh, we'll continue to work on um, trying to make it better as we go along. We'll continue to turn this morning show into a podcast. So, if you have trouble listening to it right now, if you want to download it as a podcast, you can find it on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's on um, uh, Amazon Music. Uh, it's on Spotify. It's everywhere. Anywhere you get your podcast, you'll be able to find it, uh, and it's Spotify. Uh, uh, the wake-up call. So look for it, and I uh, uh, hope you'll uh, follow along. Um, so this is going to be the COVID <laughs> section of our uh, of our broadcast. You know, it was funny. We, we we had gotten to a point where it looked like, you know, sports was back. We had a full baseball season, and it looked like we were going to be okay, and this pandemic was over. And then Omicron happened, and, and now, you know, we're back to it again, where they're telling people now, even if you're vaccinated, you should be wearing a mask. Um I haven't gotten my booster yet. I'm actually going to get that this week. Um, and, uh, you know, we're still going round and round about whether people should get vaccinated or not. It, it, uh, you know, I still can't believe we're even discussing that, but it is what it is. And everybody knows my feelings on it by now. But, look, here's where we're at. Um, we're losing games. I mean, the NHL has been decimated by the number of games lost. College basketball is getting uh, to the point where – uh, conferences are going to have to not try to reschedule games, but cancel games. They're not going to be able to. These aren't even non-conference games. These are conference games that they are not going to be able to play because there just isn't enough time. Um, you know, that, and that's concerning. Um, look, Gino Ariema has said for UConn that uh, they might have five or six players available. They're supposed to have a game uh, on Friday against Villanova. Their Wednesday game against Georgetown's already out. They're supposed to play on Friday against Villanova. It's probably not going to happen. They're not going to have enough players. Between the injuries and COVID, uh, they can't even practice. Um, the men's basketball team at UConn facing the same thing. Danny Hurley is a little bit more optimistic that they might be able to play um, a game on Saturday. Um, but, uh, look, the UConn women haven't had a game since the 19th of December. So they're going on two weeks off, and uh, it's probably going to be three weeks or so before they're ready to go. Uh, the CDC has reduced the quarantine time, uh, you know, if you're asymptomatic to five days. But the Connecticut Department of Health is still saying 10 days. Uh, so uh, so if someone comes off, they still need five days of practice before they're going to be able to play in addition to the 10 days that they have to quarantine. Uh, so that's two weeks if somebody tests positive. So, uh, and it's gotten bad. I mean, it, that's where we're at. And so, and UConn is not the only one facing it, and I think we're going to continue to see this. I did hear some encouraging news yesterday. I was watching the NBC News with uh, Lester Holt, and they had Dr. Ajish Jha on, who is uh, uh, from the Brown School of Medicine. And uh, he's on the Today Show very often. And one of the things that uh, there was some hopeful signs or some hopeful thoughts that perhaps – this Omicron variant is going to become the dominant strain, and he said that's a good thing. And you say, well, why? And because it's a lot less potent. That, yes, it spreads easier, but it's uh, it's not killing people at the rate that it was before. Now, some of that's because of vaccines, but also they just think that it is not uh, quite as bad a strain, and that might end up becoming 
the dominant strain. And he said he thinks there's a good chance that 75 to 80 percent of the people in this country are going to become infected. Now, that doesn't mean that we're all going to get COVID, but it means that there are going to be people that are going to test positive. And I know a lot of people that have tested positive and been asymptomatic. And that's going to happen to a lot of people. And as we go along, that he said that's how we get, you know, how you beat a pandemic. Eventually, enough percentage of your population, you know, gets infected and gets the antibodies. And so that it becomes kind of more like the regular flu or it becomes more not quite like the common cold, but it becomes something that is manageable. It's not something that is going to be as bad as it was when when this all started. So. That's hopeful. And, and, and I, you know, God, I, you know, I hope that's the case. I don't know when that will be. And he wasn't even saying it's definitely going to happen, but there are signs that are pointing that way. You know, we thought we were back to normal, but we're not. Um, you know, and uh, Novak Djokovic uh, wants to play at the Australian Open. Well, here's the problem. Um, because of uh, vaccination requirements for the tournament, uh, he wasn't going to be able to defend his title. He has refused to reveal whether he is actually vaccinated or not. Now, here's the thing. If you don't want to reveal whether you're vaccinated or not, you know what that means in my mind? You're not vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, why in the hell would you want to hide that? What the hell's the difference? You know, unless you're, you know, unless you were, uh, you know, Donald Trump's, you know, right hand man or something. And, you know, uh, all the right wing nuts would go nuts if you get vaccinated. I mean, why would you hide the fact that you're vaccinated? So that tells me that he's not vaccinated. Now, supposedly. uh, He is going to get a medical exemption. Now, look, this wasn't the tennis tour that told him that he can't go this was australia the state of victoria in australia where the u.s open is played in brisbane has said they've mandated that all players staff and fans attending the australian open must be fully vaccinated unless there is a genuine reason why an exemption should be granted now what a genuine reason is i have no idea you know, and I don't think saying I don't want to is a genuine reason. And maybe there is a reason that that Djokovic can't. But I don't understand why he would want to what what the secrecy is, why you wouldn't want to just say, look, I'm not vaccinated for this reason or I'm not vaccinated because I don't because I don't believe in it or, uh, you know, or, or I'm an idiot, you know, whatever. Uh, but to, to not reveal it tells me that you're not vaccinated and you're trying to hide it. And I, I don't know why, but they are going to give him an exemption to let him go. And, I, and frankly, I don't think they should. I know he is right now the best tennis player in the world. And I know he's the defending champion. But if you're going to make a rule, why are you – He, you should stick to the rule, right? I don't understand why they are going to give him an exemption, but, you know, that's uh, that's their thing. But if I'm – if I'm another player on that tour that isn't going to be able to go because I'm not vaccinated or whatever, I, I'd be well, – I'm just I'm not going to swear, but I would be bonkers. I would be livid that just because he happens to be the defending champion, 
you know, uh, you know, and he's one of the haves versus one of the have-nots that he's going to get an exemption to play. You know, if you have a rule, it's a rule. You stick to the rule, and you don't change the rule just because one of your star players decides he wants to change the rule. Just my opinion. Um, and then the uh, the last thing on the uh, coronavirus before we take another break. Uh, of course, we were all saddened to hear that uh, Betty White passed away um, on the 31st of December, just prior to the new year, at 99 years of age, just had done an interview talking about turning 100. And look, there's nobody more beloved, I think, in the country than Betty White was. It, it, if you're old like me, you remember remember when George Burns was in his 90s and, you know, he became like this everybody's grandfather. And everybody and look, George Burns was incredibly talented and everybody loved George Burns and everybody was so sad. When he, Betty White was kind of like the female version of George Burns. And so she passes away, and uh, which was terrible. But you know, it, it looks ninety nine. It's hard to be sad. It's hard to be sad when somebody lives to be ninety nine. That's a hell of a run. But what really frosts me is that right after she dies, all of a sudden, some of these right wing nuts. And I know I got to be careful. Look, I'm living in North Carolina. I'm living in Trump country. I get all that. Uh, and Dave, thanks for checking in. Uh, said the video's a little slow and uh, the stream interrupts at times. Yeah, well, I, I, Dave, I hope to be able to fix that soon. We're going to I think by using a second computer it might make it better, but uh thanks for letting me know. We're we're going to do our best. Um anyway, um I got to be careful cuz I'm I'm in I'm in Republican Trump country. I get all that. And I'm not going to be talking politics with a lot of folks here. But look, a, an icon like Betty White dies, and then somebody takes the opportunity to claim that she died as complications from the COVID booster, claiming that she got she was affected negatively affected by a shot on December 28th, that she got it three days before and then died because of the booster uh, for the coronavirus. Well, her manager or her agent, I should say, and her friend, yesterday, uh, Jeff Weiches is his name, said, look, uh, I need to set the record straight. He said she died peacefully in her sleep of natural causes. People saying her death was related to getting a booster shot three days earlier is not true. He said her death should not be politicized. That is not the life she lived. Amen. You know, and they tried to he, he also said that uh, uh, that a, a quote that's being attributed to her said, eat healthy and get all your vaccines. I just got boosted today. Supposedly, she said that on the 28th is completely untrue. She never said that. But somebody had and I can't remember, there was another celebrity who passed away in the last three or four months. I can't remember who it was. But it was immediately they tried to say it was because of uh, the coronavirus vaccine and completely untrue. I just, you know, I hate the fact when people do that. You know, there's no reason for that. You know, uh, but everybody's got an agenda and they're going to find any way they can. It's 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 sort of like. I saw a thing this morning, and I don't want to get into the, I, I got I don't want to get into this too much, but Jesus, I saw a thing this morning 
that 71% of Republicans really believe that Donald Trump won the election. That, ladies and gentlemen, is frightening. 48 minutes past the hour. We're going to take another break. We're back to wrap things up in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 50 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call as uh, we get ready to wrap things up. Uh, Here in our first live show from uh, Hayesville, North Carolina, uh, and we're back on our regular schedule. We plan to be with you every day. Uh, the only the only caveat to that is because I have satellite Internet now, uh, it's kind of like if you have DirecTV, you know what it's like. Uh, if there is a massive rainstorm or anything like that, um, we, we will not be here. Uh, so, And by the way, by my welcome, uh, because I won't be able to get satellite coverage, but uh, my welcome to the south. Uh, we had a nice holiday. But within uh, twice within a three or four day span over the weekend, uh, we had tornado watches here uh, in the mountains of western North Carolina, which kind of surprised me. I didn't think that was going to be a thing up here or or down here, I should say. Uh, But uh, I was wrong. (laughs) So uh, that was a little bit concerning. So we uh, uh, we had uh, some issues as far as that goes. Uh, we did lose power Saturday night into Sunday for about 12 hours. We had some pretty wicked storms come through. Fortunately, no, uh, no tornadoes, uh, but still uh, a little bit concerning. So, um, uh, but weather permitting, we we will be here uh, uh, every uh, weekday uh, as we were in the past. Uh, last thing I want to talk about this morning um, is yesterday the Major League Baseball Network. Uh, cut ties with Ken Rosenthal. Uh, Ken uh, has been with the Major League Baseball Network for over 12 years. And uh, he is, look, I don't always agree with things that Ken Rosenthal writes, and there are times I felt like he was just a, uh, a bit of a shill for MLB. He was one of those guys uh, that Rob Manfred would turn to when he wanted to get things out. He, Jeff Passan from ESPN is another one. Uh, if they wanted to kind of get their spin out, they would usually call one of those two guys. But So I didn't always agree with, with uh, Rosenthal, and, I, and there were times I felt like uh, he wasn't necessarily uh, objective. However... At the same time, he also writes for The Athletic. He's on Fox. He, you know, he does other things, and he has at times taken Rob Manfred to task. Um, you know, they are, you know, he there have been times that, that he has kind of uh, gone after Rob Manfred and the owners about how they, they have turned Major League Baseball into so much of a business that they have forgotten – uh, about the human side of things. And um, look, you know, one of the things, here's here's probably one of the, this is one of the things that probably got him fired. It said that Manfred and the owners, supposed stewards of the game, are turning the national pastime into a national punchline, effectively threatening to take their ball and go home while the country struggles with medical, economical, and societal concerns. This was written um, 
back at the end of June, and the headline was that Manfred must strike a deal with players or ruin his legacy. Talking about the end of the, uh, uh, you know, you know the the player deal and and what was going on as far as that goes. And here we are, we have a lockout, and Ken Rosenthal basically said, "Look, you know, it, we know it's a business." But it's a business that the former commissioner, Bud Selig, describes as a social institution with social responsibilities. Such a business should hold itself to a higher standard. But in these talks, if you can even call them that, Manfred and the owners keep sinking lower. Unless making dead-on-arrival proposals, tone-deaf public remarks, and other associated blunders is your idea of negotiating savvy. So while I don't always agree with what Ken would do, This was spot on, and this is exactly what Rob Manfred and the owners have done, and this is why we are what we are. Look, I have said many times on this show, I sometimes wonder if Rob Manfred even likes baseball, that he's turned it into a joke. And now he's gotten fired from the Major League Baseball Network. And look, there was always questions about how objective the Major League Baseball Network was going to be because it was the mouthpiece for Major League Baseball. It was run by Major League Baseball. So how objective could we expect it to be? But over the years, you know, it hasn't been that bad. There have been some, you know, some pretty good debates on the on on the network and, and some and I think that I felt like they were trying to do it the right way. After this, and uh one of my favorite uh blogs that I read, Cup of Coffee by uh, Craig Calcaterra. Uh, I don't agree with a lot of what Craig says, but uh, uh, one of the things he said this morning, and he's absolutely right, after MLB cut ties with Ken Rosenthal yesterday, how objective can we expect anybody on that network to be from here on out? Why? Because anybody else on that, whether it's Harold Reynolds, uh, whether it's uh, Matt Baskersian, uh, whoever, you know, Brian Kenny, if they come out and are critical of MLB, they're going to be thinking about Ken Rosenthal and they're going to be, they're going to be editing themselves. They're going to not want to take the chance of getting themselves fired the same way Ken Rosenthal did by being critical of the commissioner and the owners. I think that is a real concern here. Uh, and it's a concern uh, you know, a very valid concern. And it's a concern like I know that a lot of people in Boston had the concern when uh, John Henry, the owner of the Boston Red Sox, bought the Boston Globe. They wondered how objective the Boston Globe could be. And to the Globe's credit, you know, especially their columnists, they have been very critical of things that the Red Sox have done and nobody's gotten fired for it. So, uh, but this is something worth watching. I think it's very concerning. Very concerning. And, look, Ken Rosenthal is going to be fine. Uh, He makes a lot of money doing other things. He doesn't need the Major League Baseball Network. But the people that watch the Major League Baseball Network, this is a guy that, look, Ken Rosenthal is a pretty popular guy. Uh, I think this was a mistake. Um, I don't think Rob Manfred will walk it back. But I tell you what, I think there's some people probably looking at him and going, ooh, Rob, I'm not sure this was a good look right now with everything else going on. Uh, And if, if Kenny's pissed... He's got other avenues to go after him even more than he did before, so uh, it'll be worth watching for sure. Uh, one last note. Uh, Jim Corsi passed away yesterday. There was a great piece 
uh, WBZ TV television in Boston um, uh, about the fact that he had been diagnosed with stage four liver cancer and colon cancer. It was just on the air uh, a couple of days ago. And uh, he passed away yesterday at the age of 60. Um, and uh, he said, look, uh, he said, I made a mistake when I was younger, uh, not getting a colonoscopy. You should have done it. He said, you know, if they catch it early, um, you know, you're going to be okay. And uh, and he said, you know, and uh, he was asked by uh, by Steve Burton, who did the piece on WBZ, asked if he was afraid of dying, and he said that he was at peace. He said, if I die, I know I'm moving to a better place. He said, I just feel sorry for everybody I'll leave behind. And one of those uh, is his daughter, who we just walked down the aisle uh, a couple of months ago, and, and his other daughter and his wife. And uh, uh, it was a great piece, uh, very moving. And uh, just a few days after it airs, uh, Jim Corsi passes away. A guy who had a, a you know an eight-year career, um, or ten-year career. I'm sorry, pitching for uh, uh, the Red Sox for a couple of years. He also pitched for the Oakland Athletics, uh, won a couple of World Series. Uh, you know, he won the uh, 1989 World Series. He pitched very well for Oakland that year. Uh, but uh, and uh, in 147 innings for the Red Sox uh, over uh, two year, two seasons, uh, he posted a 3.35 ERA. So uh, uh, Jim Corsi passes away. Um, at the age of 60. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow. How about that? With another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with some music from Randy Travis. Forever and ever, amen. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. How about that? You're listening. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.